Good morning, everyone, and thank you for the opportunity to share the message with you this morning. I'm sure that most of you have heard stories about how babies that are still in the womb can uh, recognize and even react to their mom's voices. Well, I have a slightly different take on that um, that experience. When my son Samuel was very little, he was a couple of weeks old, one afternoon he was lying next to me on the couch and the TV was on and I noticed him turn his head towards the TV at, at one point. So I looked at the TV to see what was on and I saw that Sylvan Delon was starting. And at that moment, I remembered that during my pregnancy on days when I had come home from a long day at work and I was tired and I just wanted to unwind, I would often put Sylvan Delon on while I got um, supper started. And so I realized that Samuel had probably recognized the theme song of Siemendalon um, that he'd been hearing on the inside and was now hearing um, on the couch and he was trying to find the source of the sound that he knew so well. And so my first thought was, oh, that's so cute. But my second thought was, gosh, how much Siemendalon must I have watched for him to know the tune so well? And that memory just got me thinking about something I want to ask all of us today, which is, which voices are turning your head? Which voices are you paying attention to? And if I flip the question around, are there possibly voices that you should be listening to or possibly should be paying attention to that you're ignoring? Hmm. If you have your Bible with you, please turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 24. I'm going to read verses 1 to 11. After Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of Engedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. He came to the sheep pens along the way. A cave was there and Saul went in to relieve himself. David and his men were far back in the cave. The men said, This is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was conscience-stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his way. Then David went out of the cave and called out to Saul, My Lord, the king! When Saul looked behind him, David bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David is bent on harming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said I will not lay my hand on my Lord, because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you. 
but you are hunting me down to take my life. The context of this passage is that Saul is still king over Israel, but he is afraid that David is going to try to take his life in order to take the throne by force. And so Saul is on the hunt for David. And in this passage, we see that he takes 3,000 soldiers with him so that David doesn't escape. But the thing that struck me when I was reading this was verse 9, where David speaks to Saul and he's basically saying to Saul, who have you been listening to? Why are you so convinced that I want to kill you? Where did you get this idea from? Because if you read through scripture, you will know that um, after Samuel anointed David as king, David never planned to take the throne by force. He knew that the whole plan of him becoming king was God's plan and that it would happen in God's timing and that Saul was king until God decided otherwise. And so he never intended to take, Dave, uh, to take Saul's life. Yet somehow Saul has convinced himself that David is planning a coup, that he's going to try to take the throne from him and that his life is in danger. And for me, this passage gives a key insight into the difference between the two men. Saul has been listening to what other people have to say. He's heard some bad advice. He's heard some rumors going around and he's been listening to his own guilty conscience. On the other hand, David who had received equally bad advice from his men, chose not to listen to it. In the times that we're living in now, times that are full of trouble and turmoil and strife and news in every shape and form imaginable and opinions coming from every direction, there are voices in our ears and in our eyes and in our heads all the time. Everyone who has a smartphone can write out their version of events and post it for the world to see on Facebook or Twitter or on their WhatsApp status. It's so easy for us to hear an absolute information overload. Before I carry on, I do want to be clear about something. Listening to the news and getting on social media is not a bad thing necessarily. Christians should be informed about what's going on in the world. We need to have information. But it is so easy for us to become absolutely overwhelmed by all of these voices, all of the stuff that we read online and hear, all of the self-promotion, the fear-mongering that goes on, stories of trauma and tragedy that we hear so often. And hearing these things all of the time can cause us to become fearful depressed, angry, hurt, and sad. This isn't a new phenomenon either. Scripture has many examples of people who heard or listened to the wrong voices. First, and probably the most well-known story of all of these, is the story of Adam and Eve. The whole story of them being cast out of the garden in Eden happens because they listened to a voice that had no right to be speaking into their lives. Adam and Eve knew the voice of the Father. Adam had close companionship with Father God, and yet they listened to a different voice. They took different instruction, listened to different advice than what God had told them to do. And as we know, the consequences were dire. 
Another example of this that we find is in the book of Numbers. When the children of Israel were just about to cross into the promised land, 12 spies were sent, one from each tribe, to go into Canaan to see whether it would be an easy land for the Israelites to go in and conquer, if it was a good place for them to settle, or if they would face a challenge once they crossed the river. When the scouting party returned, 10 of them gave a negative report. They said that the people in the land of Canaan were too big for them to fight. Their defenses were too strong. The Israelites would never be able to move in there and make a success of it. Even though the Lord himself had told Moses that this was the land he was giving them, and even though two spies had come back with a positive report, which, by the way, was the truth, the people of Israel were so convinced and so terrified by the bad news that they had heard that on the spot they wanted to choose a new leader to take them back to Egypt so that they could ask Pharaoh if they could please be his slaves again. Those two voices of hope and courage were drowned out by the voices of fear and terror and confusion. And because of that, hundreds and thousands of people were left to wander around in the desert, and many of them never crossed into the promised land the second time. So what are the consequences of us listening to the voices of the world? What are the consequences for us if we refuse to listen to the voice of the Father? Could they be just as serious for us? I read this quote by Kayleen Yoder. She says, when we allow ourselves to pursue the imaginations and desires of an uncontrolled mind, we become enslaved to the diseases of it. We become overtaken by sexual immorality, fear, depression, filthy language, anger and bitterness, to name a few. Yet God's word says we are given power over this mind that is prone to run wild. We are given the authority and the ability to control our thoughts. We are urged to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We do this by indoctrinating ourselves with what is true, pure, right, noble, with anything Christ would find praiseworthy. When we do what 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 tells us, which is to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, we are able to become more clear-minded, and more self-controlled in our thinking and in our speaking. And then we are better able to test and approve what God's will is, because his voice becomes the one that we are paying attention to. So what are some of the things that distract us from hearing God's voice? What are some of these other voices that I'm referring to? Well, I don't think I need to tell you that there are lots of distractions in the world today. Some of the ones that I thought of, the obvious ones, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, sharing audio notes. It can be our friends, it can be our family, it can be our colleagues at work. And again, let me say, I know that the Bible tells us that we are not to live life on our own. We need wise counsel, we need information and advice from other people. So get doing those things or going to those places is not wrong. But what I do believe is that we too easily listen to other voices before we consult the Lord 
or before we pray about a thing, or even worse, I think that we sometimes listen to other voices, we listen to the news and we listen to the politicians and we listen to whoever else is out there, instead of consulting with God, instead of praying, and instead of reading the word. And when we rely on those other sources, those other voices, they become what inform our hearts and our minds and our emotions and our speech. So as believers, I'm not saying that we should stick our heads in the sand and avoid all news and all information and everything that's happening in the world around us. Of course not. When we become Christians, we don't become immune to the things that are happening in the world. The word tells us that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. But we do need to choose where our thoughts dwell and what voices we choose to believe and listen to. How do you know when you are possibly not listening to God's voice as much as you should? I think it's when we realize that we are angry more of the time than we are not. I think it's when we feel more shaken than we feel secure. I think it's when we feel desperate and despairing about relationships and situations instead of being positive about finding solutions. I think that we are listening to the wrong voices when our fear becomes bigger than our hope. And that's when we need to press pause. That's when we need to remember to tune all those other voices down to a background hum and tune the Father's voice front and center, loud and clear, in our eyes and in our ears and in our minds. I imagine that at this point some people might be saying, that sounds great, but I don't know what the Lord is saying or how to hear his voice. In Jeremiah 7 verse 13, the Lord says to the people of Israel, I have spoken to you time and time again, but you wouldn't listen. And I have called you, but you wouldn't answer. I think to say it plain and clear what the Lord is saying in that verse is that he is speaking. It's us who are not listening. I have a couple of things to say about that. If we go back to what I was saying just now about the distractions, the other voices that we hear, and this I know can be a touchy one, but I think that one of the distractions, one of the other voices that we listen to is that we too quickly run to other Christians when we want to hear from God instead of going to God himself. Again, yes, there are definitely times and places where it's important for us to hear from other Bible-teaching, God-loving believers. We need their advice. We need their wisdom. And they do definitely have revelation and information that they can help us with. But unfortunately, in this time and world of instant gratification, many people hop from John MacArthur to Priscilla Shira to Lisa Tokosk from Instagram account to Instagram account from Facebook to Facebook, trying to find somebody who will give them an answer from the Lord. Sometimes, as I said, that's not a problem. 
But none of those other voices, none of those other believers should be taking the place of our seeking to hear the Lord for ourselves. Remember what he said in Jeremiah, he is wanting to speak to us. He just needs us to listen to what he's saying. I heard someone say that our prayers are full of speaking, but we often fail to hear God because our prayer time usually runs out when we run out of words. Friends, can I encourage us to spend more time in our prayer and in our reading of the word listening than we do speaking? And can I encourage us to take our time in God's presence, to linger and to wait and to trust him to speak in his way and in his time, which is often not our time. Reading from Jeremiah again, Jeremiah 33 verse 3, the Lord declares, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. The Lord wants to speak to his people. There are so many ways that the Lord longs to secure our faith and to stir up our hope and encourage our love and calm our fears. His may not be the loudest voice that we hear in our ears, but it will always be the most consistent, the most edifying and the most honest voice that we hear. And just in case I've confused anyone, I thought I should also mention that I'm not necessarily referring to an audible voice when I speak about God's voice. He can speak audibly, but sometimes he speaks to us through his word, through a knowing of the Holy Spirit speaking to our spirit. Sometimes we hear the Lord's voice through answered prayer, and sometimes we hear the Lord's voice through close friends who confirm something that we think that we've heard from the Lord. If you still have your Bible with you, please turn with me to Psalm 19. I'm going to read verses 1 to 6. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, God has pitched a tent for the sun. It is like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. These verses tell us that God is speaking all the time and everywhere, if we would just slow down enough to hear him. He's even speaking to us through creation, declaring to the world who he is. Just think about it. I know the world is totally chaotic right now. There is no such thing as normal anymore. Yet in all the chaos, in all the turmoil, in all the information and misinformation and confusion, has the earth stopped rotating? Have any of the stars moved out of their positions in the sky? Has rain started falling up instead of down? 
Did the sun start rising in the north instead of the east? Of course not. All of creation is showing us that God is still in control. He's not shaken and nothing has taken him by surprise. Nothing in history can, um, has changed and nothing has foiled his plan for the world or for your individual life. Life is confusing. It's hard to make any plans in your diary in pen anymore because you never know what the next family meeting might tell us is happening. But folks, we know who holds the world in the palm of his hand and who holds me and who holds you in the palm of his hand. And because we know him, because we can hear his voice for ourselves, we have no reason to fear. We have no reason to shake and to quiver the way that the people of the world do because we know the one in whom our faith resides. He is unshakable. He is unchangeable. He is unmovable. There's a Jason Upton song where he describes Father God and he, he says that he is like a river. You keep on going from source to see the same. And because of him, because of our unchangeable God, we too can be constant and unmovable when we face the trials and challenges of life. So where do we go when we don't know where to go or what to listen to? When the whole world is shouting at us and it seems like everyone has something to say, everyone has an opinion and everyone is right in his own eyes. And when the Lord doesn't seem to be answering or hearing our prayers. We can go to the scriptures. God's word is trustworthy. His word is right. His word is sweet. His word is rich. And in hearing and obeying the word is much wisdom and much reward. How do we choose then to find joy in the turmoil? Because I think I think it's clear that it's a definite choice that we need to make to not become overwhelmed by the negative and the bad that we're hearing all around us. How do we choose to tune out all of the other voices so that we can hear and pay attention to God's voice? Number one, we need to remind ourselves who God is. This is why our praise and our worship is so important. Time we spend with the Lord where we're not asking him for anything necessarily, but we simply declare how wonderful and how powerful and how good he is. Second, we need to be reminded of God's promises. The word tells us that God is not a man that he can lie. Everything that he has said in his word is true. So when we need to find truth, when we need to know what's going on or what's going to happen or how it's all going to work out or what we need to do, we can turn to our Bibles, folks. We can read the many promises in Scripture and we can know that every single one of them in God's time and in his way will be fulfilled. The third thing that we can do to find joy is we need to be reminded of who we are in Christ. The children of God are saved. They are redeemed. They are justified. They are righteous. 
We are healed. We are chosen. We are adopted. We are loved. Let the world and the devil throw any accusations that they want at us. We know who we are as children of God and we stand firm on the promises and the truths of Scripture. The fourth thing we do is we need to realign our thoughts and our feelings with the truth. And remember, there is only one truth, which is God's truth. Romans 12 verse 2 tells us, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we persistently and consistently do, as Philippians 4 verses 8 to 9 tells us, thinking about what is true and clean and noble and pure and right, our unrestrained thought processes can be transformed. God won't magically give us happy thoughts though. It takes effort and long-term dedication on our part. We are called to participate in the retraining of our minds. And the only way to do this is to read truth, to hear truth, to know truth, and to persevere in truth, in our thoughts, in our feelings, and in our emotions. And then fifth, when we know who God is, when we know who we are, and when we know what is promised to us in Scripture, we can then view our lives and our situations through a new filter. In this time of trial and trouble and turmoil that we're in, believers need to be wise and alert and be focused on the things of God. Not so that we can avoid the world, but so that we can interact well in the world, so that we can make a kingdom difference in our workplaces, in our families, in our communities, everywhere we go, because we see and we approach life differently when we know who God is. I hope that this word has encouraged you this morning, and I'd like to just close off with a prayer for us. Lord, we praise you and we magnify your name. When all around us seems insecure and confusing and hard to handle, we know that your strength and your peace are unchanging, unalterable and all-encompassing. I pray that by your Holy Spirit power, you will strengthen and encourage your children today, Lord. May we be diligent and deliberate to shut out the many voices that try to confuse us and make us afraid. May we prefer the one voice, the voice of the Father, who speaks life and joy and hope into the lives of his people. In Jesus' name, Amen. Have a wonderful week, folks. Goodbye.